What's up, y'all? Episode 41. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, man, we had a great episode. Our guests were Val G. No, that's not a disease. And Lancey Joe, uh, our comedian, former CFO of Enron, we found out today. Uh, but yeah, no, we talked about markets. Uh, markets were down every day almost this week. Uh, big news is the China trade war. Um, I think that's a huge thing that's going on. I do think Trump will roll over eventually, but we get into it more in the episode. Uber went public. Way below expectations. They're an $80 billion company, not a $120 billion company. Um, but yeah, you can get your Uber now if you want uh, to buy and be a shareholder of Uber. We then talked about Facebook. Zuck's boy, Chris Hughes, got into it with Zuck. Uh, there's a war breaking out between those two. Chris was a former uh, uh, executive of Facebook. He kind of built it in Zuck's dorm with him. And so uh, we get into what's going on there. And he, Chris is basically calling for Facebook to break apart. Uh, then we talked to Val, our our girl. She was awesome. Uh, Val's written six books, man. And the best one that I thought was so fun was her book titled, You Married a What? Uh, and Now I Have a Muslim in My House. So, yeah, um, I, the big thing that we, you know, I walked away with that, that Val reminded me that I learned when I was a kid is you can never get rich working for someone. And she proves why that's true. Listen in, sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Business News and Other Shit. I'm your host, Amr Abdullah. We're going to have us a fun podcast today. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, that is Val G laughing. Yes, that was me. Hi, Val. Hi there. How are you doing? Good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Shukran. It's so, shukran. Yeah. You speak Arabic. Just those words. You speak, you got no few more words, no? Uh, like meshi. Meshi. Yeah. That's very good. Which uh, means walking? No, I think it, it means kind of okay, I think. Meshi. Meshi. It's a metaphor, yes. by the way. It's a metaphor. For? So, uh, meshi literally means walking. Oh, okay. So when you say meshi, like, it almost means like, yeah, let's let that walk. Right, yeah, like move forward. I exactly. like that. Exactly. Very smart. Yeah, so the reason Val knows some Arabic is because her most recent book out of her six books is called, first of all, I'm going to describe it to you listeners. It's, it's got a picture of a, of a Middle Eastern man with a beard wearing the, the headdress that like Saudi Arabian men you might see on TV wear, plus the, the, the dress that Arabic men might wear sometimes. And the title, so it's got that picture, and then the title is, You Married a What? <laughs> <laughs> and now I have a Muslim in my house. That's Val's title. Love it. Thank you. Love it. Which is a very different uh, book than all your other books, which are more related to the corporate world, business, customer service, business improv, things like that. Yes, yes. One of them is called, one of your books is called, the Winner's Attitude. It is. Gangster title, by the way. Yeah. Val G. That's what the G is for, right? Val the Gangster? Val the Gangster. Val the Good One. Val the Gorgeous. I mean, hey, anything. Hey, I like all know. those. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Val. Thank you. We're going to talk to you a little later. Okay. Lancey Joe. Hi. Who's Joe? Uh, that's my father. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's almost like paying homage to him in a way. Yeah, a little bit. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Lancey Joe. I haven't, I haven't seen you use that before, so it's cool. I saw it. His name is Sammy Joe. Ah. So, uh, so I threw a Y on that Lance and then uh, kept the Joe. My middle name is Joseph, but not, oh, okay. not Joe, so it's short. I like it, man. Yeah. How you doing, brother? Good. I'm good. Thank you for 
coming back to the show. Of course. Of course. I love being here with you guys. It's really? always fun. Always a fun time. We love to have and you. And I learn a lot, too. No shit. I learn a lot. Yeah. I'm, Definitely not I'm, from me. I've got my stocks roaring right now. The Qs. I got the Qs. The NASDAQ. The QQQ. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going great right now. That's good, man. I, I, I saw um, on your Facebook today, uh-huh. I was looking at your Facebook profile. Yes. And it said, uh, famous comedian at comedy. Yes. Which is... is That's a given. Exactly. We knew that. <laughs> I knew you worked at comedy, and right. I knew you were a famous comedian. Uh, but the second one I didn't know was you were a former CFO at Enron. I was the CFO of Enron for a while. Uh, and now they, that, did, they did you know, stoop uh, 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 investors out of about $100 billion. I was not aware of any wrongdoings. <laughs> Uh, while I was the CFO, I don't know what they did before or after, but... <laughs> Nothing uh, to do with you. Right. Your hands are clean. Right. I did do 10 years in jail, but... Not for uh, that. Uh, not for that. It was no. for uh, prostitution? It was... Uh, well, it was kind of. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gray area. I don't know how many lawyers listen to this <laughs> I, podcast. I thought... See, I thought... Uh, so you should have been doing it in Vegas, because prostitution, I believe, in Vegas is legal. Uh, I don't think in Cook County, actually, in Cook County uh, proper. Yeah, no, Cook County, no, Vegas. Yeah, it's Vegas, though, is in Cook County, right? Uh, I believe if you yes. go down to the Aurora, <laughs> I believe if you go down to the Aurora uh, Casino boat, you will find Vegas there. Oh, I, I gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> Thanks for being here, brother. Good to see you again, Millennial Gangster, the investment posse, the man with the plan, who's got the badass stash. Fund, swag fund, but no real stash, Ooh. and no real swag. He's he's got the the beard but no stash. That's right, on. he has a beard no stash. Yeah, that's what I that's what I was gonna say. I What's up, no yeah, yeah? What's up, man? How you doing? How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Don't how touch the mic, man. You're coming in radio voice this morning. Like, <laughs> hey, man, how you doing? I like it. Thanks, it's, man. Is it your Ramadan voice? Yeah. Right now, guys, we are fasting. Yahya and I are fasting. We are not eating right now. How fast are you going? Um. Cocaine fast. Whoa. Yeah. Well, no wonder you're not eating. Exactly. Dude, no. Seriously, <laughs> fasting all day till 8 p.m.? <laughs> Who needs food when you got cocaine? Uh, uh, fasting all day in Ramadan, guys. It, sun goes down at 8 p.m. Okay. All right? And the sun rises at 4 a.m. So we cannot eat between 4 a.m. and 8 p.m. Wow. Do you yeah. t- is it like the, the gremlins rule where if like you eat after... Uh, it's like reverse gremlins. Like if you eat after midnight, you turn into a gremlin. Reverse. It's ex- exactly. It's reverse. Okay. If, if right. you and I were to eat right now, yeah, you turn into like a party. You turn into the gremlin with the mohawk. That's what yeah he would turn into. Yeah. I would grow a mustache if I did it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I so. would turn into the gremlin with a really really big foot. <laughs> just one foot. Yeah. Just one. Other foot's one normal size. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of like reverse gremlin. Wow. Uh, so, uh, but not only can we not, so it's, it's, you know, Ramadan is, is, it's kind of, you ever heard about these like 10 day silent retreats in Indonesia or like somewhere in Asia? Have you heard about those? Sure. Yeah. It's in some ways kind of like that. Not exactly. The goal is to more get control and silence your inner voice, that inner demon, if you will, because the inner demon, right, that lower self kind of feeds off of like food. Sex, smoke, things like that, water. Like, you, you, if you can keep feeding and feeding that beast, it'll just, you know. Yeah, your desires. Your desires. And so when you withhold water and food and, of course, sex from it, you kind of, like, get it in a headlock. And you're like, oh, gosh, you son of a, you know. Um, so that's kind of like. 
you're silencing that instead for 10 days it's 30 days and i must tell you guys it's very powerful it's so powerful that it's becoming a thing now i mean you guys i'm sure have heard about intermittent fasting and things sure. like that mm. yeah um, yeah all those people who are intermittent fasting right now are on their way to becoming muslim <laughs> <laughs> it's a gateway drug so yeah <laughs> yeah ramadan ramadan is a gateway drug yeah so to all muslim listeners ramadan mubarak to all non-muslim listeners we're waiting for you <laughs> alhamdulillah Hey, you hey. see, you do speak oh. more. Oh, a little bit, yeah. You just said, all praise be to God. Yes. All praise to God. Amen to that. Thank you. Uh, so we're fasting. That's the fasting bit. So do you, so you only eat after the sun goes down, right? And drink and okay. fornicate. Okay, well, so is there a, do you do it like a feast at night? Or it, it really is kind of like that. Okay. And it's very, very communal. That communal, that's the most important, one of the most important parts, which is like, Get together and break break bread with people. Okay, you know, build that yeah, community. Yeah, nice. It's so, beautiful. who do you get together with tonight? Then tonight we are going to a friend's house. Uh, he's having some people over, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll have a, a, a we'll have a gay old time with him and his family. A big sufra. Bam. Yeah. Are you sure you're not Muslim, Valjean? I think. Well, you know what, my son-in-law Ehab desperately wants me to be Muslim because he wants right? me to get into heaven. So he's ah, worried about me. Yes, yes, yes. We don't want you to go to hell. Right. Yeah. I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I might grow a mustache down there. It's like, it's, what would you say? You I might, might grow a mustache down yes, there? Yes, yes. Yeah, we would not want that. No. I, I can imagine the wax in hell is not very good. It's horrendous. It would probably melt. <laughs> what, probably yeah. What's the yeah. difference between Christian hell and Muslim hell? Ooh. Uh, in one. Christian hell, there's... KKK, and in Muslim hell, there's ISIS. I don't know whether to laugh at that or, or I, is, I that, guess, is that funny? I guess <laughs> I, I, it was an attempt to be funny. It was ca- I was holding You know when I knew it wasn't funny? When? When no one laughed. <laughs> right, right, but I was laughing inside. <laughs> Were you? Yes. <laughs> I, I was considering it because that was like, that was deep AF, bro. It was kind of deep, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I was like, oh shit, I think you're right. <laughs> Are those equivalents? <laughs> I think, I think oh, oh, I think they're the same thing, right? Yeah. I, in fact, there's one hell, and I think both of them are in there. Yeah, and they're yeah. like getting after each other. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe they're hooking. I don't know. Maybe they're. Like oh yeah, they go to friends. They go to gay hell. Maybe it's like, <laughs> maybe it's like prison. You know, where like you gotta. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about right they now. They have insatiable thirst for each other's bodies. Not only do I find this like conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's poetic. It is. This whole thing's become poetic. Uh, all right, guys, let's let's jump into this podcast. Yeah. Uh, wait, you're point. Yeah, he's pointing at Chris. Uh, did you want to introduce him? Oh no! What would we introduce Chris for? Yeah. Thank F you, that guy. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Thank you, Yahya. Chris, I'm sorry. You want to know why I didn't introduce you, Chris? Why? Because you don't need an introduction, man. Nah, man. <laughs> guys, Chris. What do I? What can I say about Chris? He's smart. That hasn't been no, said I can't in say that. many sexts. I can't say he's smart. He's got a mustache. I can't say I he's do got have a mustache. mustache. I like how you say mustache. Mustache. We say, as Americans, we say mustache. Oh, right. But your accent's on the second I one. You're, you're mustache. You yes. It's like, I mustache. Exactly. <laughs> what, what did you say, Chris? We just melded right there. You melded? Here, let's do it together. Yeah, yeah. One, two, three. I mustache must you a question. <laughs> I mustache you a question. I like. Uh, no, but seriously, uh, I, I approached Chris to do this podcast six months ago. And he was in the nude. I was in the nude, and I of approached course. Chris. And, and 
I'm like, Chris, I just want to help my help myself with my comedy voice, this and that. Chris, like, yeah, sure, I'd love to do it. I'm like, I can't, I can't. Um, can can you help me? I can't do this on my own. And so he started slowly walking me through like how to think about the approach, what to talk about, things like that. The guy literally held my hand step by step along the way. And then as he started um, encouraging me and saying, hey man, it's getting great, it's getting better and better. Um, he then took the next step to like, hey, I'm bringing cameras in, we're gonna record it. Boom, YouTube. Hey, I'm gonna start posting these on social media. Boom, starts doing that. Hey, I'm gonna bring on this person to help produce. Boom, boom, boom. Chris was just like banging on. <coughs> Left and right. And I was like, yo, Chris is like... A Marvel character. Marvel character. He's kind of like... Uh, uh, what's his name? Stark? Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Thank you. Yeah. Chris, you're like Tony Stark. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you for reminding me to introduce Chris. There's an introduction. Let's get into this. Yeah. Uh, markets. Uh, so, guys, we had the markets go down almost every single day this week. By any chance, did any of y'all notice that? Yes. You noticed? Yes. Yeah, you guys both noticed it? When I did lost you? over $10, I was, <laughs> I was on the phone with my brokerage. Sell! Sell! <laughs> God damn it! Sell! <laughs> Isn't it a good thing, though, that when the markets go down, then you can buy, right? Right, exactly. That's, my whole, that's the whole strategy I pitch, which is like, yo, whether they're going up or they're going down, you need to keep putting money in the market. And when it's going down, the good news is, you're actually going to make more money over time because I believe it will keep going up over the near term and medium term. So going down is a good thing. It yeah. Can see, it can be seen as a good thing. The, the market's never gone down forever. Exactly. It always goes up eventually. Yeah. The market, that's a great, can we tweet that? The market's never gone down forever. I love it. Yeah. And I also must say, it can't, it's never also always gone up. Yeah. Straight up. It never has. But it continues to go up, though. I mean, it doesn't yes, ever exactly. continue to go down. Correct. If we look at over long periods of time, it's never permanently gone down. And if we look at over long periods of time, it's only gone up. Right. Why, you may ask Val? Do you know why? Or no, I don't to, really. I'd, I'd be just making the whole thing up, so tell me. Anybody? anybody you have an opinion, Lacey? Mm, what was the question? Are you not paying attention? <laughs> no, I was. Uh, <laughs> why does the market always go up, go up eventually? Yeah. Do you have an opinion uh, or a guess? I mean, because time hasn't stopped yet. I mean, it's going to go, like you said, it's going to go up and down yeah. forever. Yeah. But I guess like in the but United States. It's going, it's going States, up more than it's going down. Right. The United States market. Correct. Um, is usually has that up. Upwards, yeah, trend exactly. Um, I don't know why that is. I believe, and and people would disagree with me on this, but I believe the way our economy is set up, right, um, and our government really, it's more our government is set up. It's set up in such a way where corporations have quite a bit of power. So me and you, we all have individual rights. Guess what? A corporation is set up in America like a human being. They have <laughs> rights like a human being has rights. Right. Um, good word to, yeah, to use, right. by the way. Uh, so, right, right. <laughs> right. So, uh, but, but that enables them to do things that an individual can do. So an individual can lobby for a law to get passed. A corporation can do that too. The thing is when a corporation bands the whole thousands of employees together, 
their lobbying can be way more powerful than right. me or you individually. So that's one example of how corporations have immense power in this country. Uh, but so that's part of it is that because they're people, super people. Yeah, corporations are super. Corporations are Tony Stark. Yeah. So so that's I'm a corporation. <laughs> so that's that's the that's one of the big reasons. But the second big reason is like the government in in the way our quote unquote democracy set up, uh, the government can in you know enact laws in a way that help wealthy people who have maybe a lot of money in the stock market, for example, remain wealthy. They can, for example, when the market's crashing, say, hey, we're going to issue a whole bunch of debt and make that and tax people additionally so that we can give this money to corporations and banks and rescue them like they did in 2008. Right. The Congress can do that. The Congress has done that many times. And I see no reason the Congress won't do that again. Right. As a result, corporations will continue to always go up, in my opinion. And be bailed out. Basically. Basically. Plus, I just had a thought. Uh-oh. Heaven is up. Yes. So we're always going to be going up. The, the heavens are up. You're right. Now, like, like the way I think about it, by the way, I, I, the word heavens, as I think about it, is like heavens are, there's different he- levels of heavens, and the heavens are above us. Mm-hmm. The heavens. Uh, but heaven, like... I think it's beyond time and space. Yeah, kind of. Fourth dimension. Yeah. I I feel like though no, you know what? I'm taking this off what you were talking about, which please, was no, uh, but please finish. Oh, your really? Yeah. Well, so I I really I believe that heaven is here on earth, heaven and hell. Mm. I kind of see that a lot. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I believe I believe. I believe it's I do believe it's in a different dimension, heaven and hell, mm. and. I believe in order to get a sense of what heaven and hell is, there are experiences on this planet that are kind of like metaphorical for heaven and hell or that are signs of heaven and hell. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So something heavenly. Oh, you see your first grandchild or your first child. That's a miraculous moment. That's heavenly. And it's like, oh, man, if if heaven's 100 times better than that, I can't wait to go to heaven. You know. (laughs) And then hell is like, oh. We're in war and people are getting killed and rape and all these bad. Like, that's pretty much hell is probably a hundred times worse than that. It's like I don't want nothing to do with that shit. Right. You know. But you know how it is when someone can walk in a room and they can bring heaven or hell right with them. Ah, yeah. Like that's their true. energy. True. Just totally. You've created a great space. Yeah, here. yeah. What? What'd you say, Chris? You're talking about yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Which one do I bring, Chris? Of course, hell. What kind of hell <laughs> did you bring? Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so, so what's going on? This week? Why did markets go down every day? The China trade war is, is really biting the United States of America. A good distraction for all of Trump's legal woes. Exactly. It's a huge distraction, number one. Yeah. I have this theory, Val and Lancey, that there's this reality that's happening in our country the, the status quo of, of um, you know, the status quo of Protestant and white and, and what this country has been built upon for, for the last few hundred years ha- is massively changing the last 50 years. Thank God. You believe, thank God. I, I agree. I think diversity is much better than, than, you know, one thing. Just from a strictly survival standpoint, the, the reason we're so diverse is how we've survived this long. 
If we were all white Protestants, everyone would have died from the plague. Oh, from the plague? Yeah, in like the 1500s. Yeah, in, West, in Western Europe. Yeah. Right, right. The reason we have variety is so we'll survive shit that takes out a third of the population. How did diversity prevent the plague? I mean, uh, yeah. Because there were other people with other situations that didn't lead to creating the plague that killed, you know, half the known world. You know what? I've, I've read about this. And you want to know what's funny? So in, during that time in the 1400s, 1500s, Spain was known as Andalusia, Andalusia, and uh, Muslims were controlling much of Spain at that time. And the way the Muslims had built their cities, uh, they made running water essential to, to build, which, is, which was not common in Europe at that time. Uh, so they would like literally build uh, sewage, sewage systems and, and running water was everywhere. Why? Because an important part of the prayer, you might know this, Val, an important part of the Muslim prayer before you pray, you have to do an ablution, like a, like a ritual washing of the hands and the face. So they needed water everywhere in the city so they can pray. And supposedly what I've heard is the plague was not able to spread the way it was in Europe in Spain, because of that more, you know, water being more available and already prepared for the way they built the city. That makes total sense. More, so. more hygienic. More yeah. hygienic, I suppose. Because I think in London at that time, they were just throwing shit out the windows onto the street. Damn. I mean, like, literally, everything would just, yeah. you They'd know. take a dump in a box and just pour it out the window. I think so. Like, what would you do <laughs> if you don't have, you know, I yeah. mean, there's no toilets, no right. running water. Wait, you guys have toilets and running water? <laughs> Wait, where are you using the bathroom, Chris? Are you still have a porta potty? Yeah, no, the shit, the shit bucket. The shit bucket? Ah. <laughs> Chris has a hole in his wood floor and then a hole in the bucket, and he just goes right in yeah. there. You just right. take it Poops out. Poops on the neighbors. That's what the Dalai Lama <laughs> used to do in his winter palace. They would be up there and just have holes. Yeah. Go right down. Oh man! In the Holy Middle East, shit. that's <laughs> yeah. In the Middle East, <laughs> <laughs> very good. All right, so uh, yeah. so what's happening with this China trade war? So so all right, so we had tariffs, taxes of ten percent on any Chinese good, not any, on a large amount of Chinese goods coming in, about two hundred and twenty-five billion. We had a ten percent tax. Tr- uh, Trump, I mean, let me take a step back. Trump started this trade war, in my opinion, to distract from. The mainstream, the, the, the white Protestant facade. The, the, what's changing in the United States is this, you know, mainstream white Protestant reality is changing. And I think that's freaking a lot of people out. It's like, this is changing, it's changing too fast, we're scared. Okay, got it. I think Trump's reaction to that is like, let's create a bunch of distractions so that we can, not, you know, not worry about this real problem that we're dealing with. Uh, so I think it's like, you know, like, like, um, China, you know, China's the problem. You know, not start a China trade war. Yeah, Muslims are a problem. Do a Muslim ban. You know, uh, what's the other one? Mexicans are a problem. Build a wall. Is is there a band that's uh, all Muslims called Muslim band? Muslim band? Yeah, That'd be good man. <laughs> you just came up with the name of a band. <laughs> Shout out to my boy uh, Basil. I have a friend named Basil. He's he's got a band. It's called Basil and the Supernaturals. Maybe we should consider him. Tell him to reconsider yeah. the name of his band, the Muslim band. The Muslim yeah, band. Like that. But you're t- you're <laughs> totally right on that. I mean, that's what Machiavelli did. You know, years really? ago. Really. Shakespeare, any of his. They they all talk about that. You create about a diversion. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Tupac. 
Yeah, they created diversion. Yeah, create a diversion to avoid the real war. problem. Exactly, which is basically is climate change at the moment. But and, nucle- and nuclear, nuclear wars, like we all got nuclear. Sure. I feel like nuclear, like anything, shit can just go down any day now. So anyway, so yeah, what he's so he started this China trade war, right, to distract everyone and divert, and China's like WTF, you know. Now, truth be told, we do have issues with China. It's just I think the way Trump went about this trade war is really crappy in my opinion. He just kind of like started sledgehammering the Chinese after the last 30 years of them and us hugely benefiting yeah. from this relationship, this trade relationship. And so then when, when the stock market started going down in late 2018 because of this trade war, Trump took his foot off the gas and he's like, all right, all right we're going to do a deal with them. And so everyone's like, ah. And so the stock market's been up almost 20% in the first three months. Uh, partly the Federal Reserve being positive on, on the economy, but really also the trade war. And then this week, they were supposed to sign an agreement this week, today. And Monday, the Chinese came out and they're like, yo, we're flipping the script. We don't want to sign this agreement. We want to change this, this, and that. I mean, they pulled some shit at the last minute. This whole thing, I think, shouldn't even be happening the way it's happening because of Trump. And I'm sure because he came in with a sledgehammer, they probably pulled this shit at the end to be like, "F you, Trump. We yeah. can, you know, we can do this." And so, the, what? How did Trump react? Instead of like negotiating in good faith, he's like, "All right, twenty-five percent tariffs on two hundred billion goods, two hundred twenty-five billion goods. Oh, and we're gonna tax another three hundred billion if you don't play ball with us on twenty-five percent, guys. Twenty-five percent tariffs on three hundred billion and two hundred billion plus another three hundred billion potentially is massively negative for our economy and our country. That's why the stock market has been down almost five days straight." Massively, massively. But think how much it will go up once we start war with China and all the defense (laughs) contractors sign hundreds of billions of dollars in contracts. That's that's what's happening here. The two big powers are having basically, forgive my language, a dick measuring contest right now. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. And Trump is trying to say, mine's bigger than yours. Yeah. And honestly, it might be. But guess what? If it does result in a real war in the near future, sorry guys, that's my alarm. Reminding me how we do it on time. Um, but yeah, if if if, uh, if that if that does lead to war eventually, maybe not tomorrow or next week, but in the next twenty five to fifty years, like that's not good. That's that, that's actually quite detrimental. No one wins when two big powers go to battle. Right. Well, also, it seems like China was so devastated by. The opium wars and World War II in Japan, mm. like everything they're doing now, I feel like is in direct response to just the horrors that Japan subjected them to oh, in wow. World War II. So like they got, they're ready. Man, <laughs> I didn't even know that. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Have you heard what they, the Japanese did to the Chinese? Only, only, only in a cursory way. Okay. So they would have uh, like the Japanese generals would have a contest to see who could chop off the most... Chinese soldiers' heads in oh like ten minutes, and the record was like fifty. Oh my god! Wow! Yeah, that's crazy. Like that's and they'd throw like babies into like spike uh, nests, okay. and they just like it was like worse than what the Germans did to everyone else. Oh man! So the Chinese have now like built up all sorts of crazy resentment. Yeah, their oh, their hundred year plan is directly in response to what Japan did to them. Oh my god! In the thirties and forties. You know, yeah. another, God help Japan. There's another aspect <laughs> to, to China, though, is because my brother was over there doing some climate change work. 
And they're doing huge things to help the environment. I mean, they're coming up with a lot of not just wind. Well, they're energy. way smarter than us. Like yeah. they're oh, they're they're they, they're the ones who are creating five G right now. Yeah. Well, and like they realize, like, oh yeah, if we just do coal all the time, eventually we'll all die. So why don't we switch to something cleaner? Clean. Right. Right. <laughs> they're they're at least like realistic about stuff. I wish we could be realistic like that. We're we're we can see as far as the next quarter. Yep. Our heads up our ass collectively. So now here's the here's the upshot of all this. I I think the only shot we have. So first of all, this freaks me out a lot that this is where it's gotten to the trade war. I think they're still going to make a deal cuz Trump Trump will I can guarantee you Trump will not get reelected if shit hits the fan with China. I think we'll ultimately either roll over or something. Bring it on. <laughs> right? <laughs> I literally I'm low key like just like praying for like a big drop in the stock market just so everyone like wakes up from their Trump idiot comas. That's what we're this is the this whole you know, Bill Barr and Mueller report and Russia. Man, I think the Democrats shit the bed on that whole thing. They, we all know Russia meddled in our election. Maybe Trump had some Trump Tower bullshit in Moscow. I don't know. It's not that big. Like, they're just barking up the wrong tree. For me, it's like, if I'm a Democrat, I'd be all over this trying to trade war. You know, like ripping on Trump for like, what are you doing? Instead, they're just they're asleep at that, and they're just trying to impeach him and do this. This mm. uh, well, he did obstruct justice ten times, at least ten times. <laughs> I mean, that's a felony and a impeachable offense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I just think with the Senate in control, it's going to be hard to impeach, and I think that um, the way the Mueller report has been written, in a way where it's like not crystal clear, you did this, you need to go to jail. It's not clear. That it's leaving a lot of ambiguity for people. It, it basically said it left the decision up to Congress. Yeah. Because they didn't want the public opinion to think that Mueller had an axe to grind here. Right. Here's the facts. Make your decisions. Yeah. I've, we haven't even gotten the full report. Exactly, we haven't exactly. gotten an unredacted no, report. No, we haven't. That's what they're suing for. But but here's my thing. I Honestly, I look if, I, if Mueller was in this room, I'd be like, yo, man, I'm not going to lie. You're kind of a wussy. Like, you need to just put yourself out there and be like, yo, he obstructed, obstructed justice. He needs to go to jail for this. He didn't do that. So the Democrats are just barking up this tree, and I think it's going to result in nothing. I, I don't think he could uh, come out and say, like, here's my conclusion. Mm. I think he had to say, here are the facts. Mm. And other people had to interpret those facts and then make the decision. Ah. I think that it would have politicized it too much if he came out and said, Trump needs to go to jail. I hear you on that. Yeah. Trump Trump needs to go to jail is a little extreme, but I guess yeah. what I'm saying is more direct accusations given the given the I basis mean, of facts. I think when the unredacted report comes we'll out, some it of that will maybe. not get more direct than that. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. So my my point is like, here we are with this issue with Bill Barr, the Justice Department being blah 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 blah. I think that what would end up coming after all that feels like not much in terms of negative for Trump. This China trade war is way bigger for the economy, in my opinion. That's, that's the thing to really look at. So, I mean, why limit ourselves? <laughs> you know what? I just see Congress not focused on all the things the Republicans are doing that have been boosting the stock market. That's kind of what I think is like all these executive orders are getting passed, all this stuff that's cl hurting climate, all this. 
you know, all the stuff that's hurting labor unions, it's all getting passed. It's just making corporations stronger and stronger. Listen, I'm all for corporations making profit. In the short term. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, well, here's the thing. Getting that economy and that stock market to keep going up, it assures a 2020 win for Trump again. That's my issue. But this China trade war, we've, I think we've got a shot now. So anyway, yeah. if, I was, if I had Democrats in this room, I'd be like, yo, focus on the China trade war. Um, so Good thing you ain't got none in here. Man, thank God, right? No <laughs> Democrats. All Republicans. <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh, let's move on. Uh, Uber. So they are going public. No, actually, Uber went public today. Today's Friday. We're recording this. Uh, $45 a share is where Uber priced. Uber is the third largest IPO, call it tech IPO, in American history. First was Alibaba, a Chinese company, which Yahoo actually owned 20% of. Uh, then it was Facebook was the second biggest at $100 billion. So Alibaba was like 140 Facebook was $100 billion, And now Uber at $82 billion company. So it's kind of a big deal. Like investors, we all, all of us now have a chance to invest in Uber if we wanted to. And the question is like, is Uber the Amazon of transportation? You know, Uber freight trucks, Uber scooters, Uber cars, obviously. Uber, name it, you know. Grub the eating thing. Uber Eats. I, I, I have to say, so I travel a lot and I love Uber. I, I just do. Mm. It's so simple. Mm. Got my app do it see where they are three minutes i mean it's just it's really kind of changed my life wow it has i've I've experienced that too with with i'll say ride sharing in general i prefer to use lyft because of all the pr because it's pink and it's pink pink. my favorite color yeah uh but also because um uber's kind of a a nightmare when it comes to pr stuff like there's their former ceo travis kalanick um they're not making any profit. Oh, guys, Lyft is not making any profit. Uber's losing quite a bit of money. Um, so, so that's my issue with Uber. Mm. Um, but you're right. They, they transform transportation altogether. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's what people are, why people are buying Uber is because... Transformportation. Transformportation. That's, that's called mind meld right there. <laughs> totally. That's called ADD. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're like, you know, people who are buying Uber are like, yo, they're leading the next wave of technology. That's what Uber is. So do you use Uber, Lancey? I do. Do you like Uber? Uh, yeah, it, when it first came out, I, uh, I used it. Well, I guess when I first got to Chicago, I was using it a lot. Mm. Um, but now it's gotten a, a very expensive. It seems to me very much more expensive. And I think they brought Uber pool in. Yeah, and right, then, right. And then that was like a way to be like, okay, you only have, you, you only want to spend, you know, five bucks or 10 bucks to go across the city. Right. Uh, but now if you want a private Uber, I mean, it's like, it's, yeah. it's Feels 20 like minimum, bucks. Right. Minimum to go, 15, 20. Yeah. To go a few miles yep. in, in the city. Yeah. I feel that too. That's right. I, I don't use them as much. I mean, I drive, so I don't use Uber as much, but. I, I mean, I'm using the, uh, I, I usually take a limo everywhere I go, but. <laughs> Uber limo. Yeah, XCO of Enron, you would. Right, exactly. <laughs> Got to keep a low profile. Right. <laughs> I mean, have you guys heard of like the fangs? Have you heard that term before? Fangs? No, I haven't. I want to say I have, so I seem cool, but I haven't. Yeah, have, fangs is, is, is an acronym for the biggest tech companies in America. 
which is F-A-A-N-G-S. So Facebook, Amazon, Amazon, Apple, Apple, Netflix, Google. Oh, right. yeah. It's to remind Americans in a quick way, like, these five companies make up, make up a huge chunk of our economy. They're like the five most valuable companies. I would throw Microsoft in there at this point. Fang, Fangum. And I bet Uber is going to get in there. So you, Fangum. Well, I don't want to take you off off the subject, but I, I couldn't sleep last night because I knew I was coming on the show. Of course, no one can. And I, I thought, gosh, I have to look up my you know investment knowledge, which is nil, zero, zilch. <laughs> Um, but I, so I'm, li- I'm looking at Tony Robbins and, you know, Warren Buffett and stuff. And they're saying that it's about buying index. Yes. So Absolutely. am I looking at even at these uh, isolated stocks or do I just get the S&P 500? My, what, I tell, what I give people advice on is go index. Yeah. Because you will easily, quickly get a whole basket of stocks with one click of a button. You can literally go into your uh, brokerage and just type in SPY, for example, and you'll have all 500 stocks when you buy one of those SPYs. SPY right now is $280, so if you put $280 down, you'd get one of each of the 500 shares, uh, 500 companies. Right, because I mean, I, I lost a lot of money buying high and selling low. Mm, in I'm sorry to two, hear that. I know, it was, it was crazy. Um, but, but, you know, in that 2006, seven, yep, you know, tricky. so I'm buying stuff and, and I'm seeing it going down. I, I, yeah. I, I was literally nuts, like a complete nutball. Did you sell when it got really low? You know, I can't, e- I can't even remember that, that whole time was like a, you've just blacked it all out. To- yeah. It was horrendous, you know, cause my husband would come in like, what are you doing? It's kind of like doing? my I'm first like, divorce. I've just kind of put a big black thing. Yes. I don't want to think about yes. that pain. I was so stupid. Stupid. So was I. Such an idiot. Why did I marry her? So that's what... (laughs) (laughs) Well, she must have had something going for her. I thought she did. Yeah. Anyway, so (laughs) I I don't really want to get into the uh, single stock market again because I... If you do, here's what I suggest. Let's say... So I usually talk about a 60-20-20 rule, which is 60% of your money goes towards your main budget stuff in your life. Your home, your food, insurances, so on and so forth. Car, twenty percent savings, investment. Mm. And if you have, and I, I even personally have an account just for that, so that money goes straight into that account only. And then a third account, twenty percent splurge, whatever you want to splurge on. That's what I say. So if you do splurge, splurge. So if you're gonna do twenty percent in an investment account, I'd say make nineteen percent of that or eighteen percent of that. An index fund, like SPY or something mm. that you like. There's also socially conscious index funds that do not invest in, you know, gun makers, alcohol, tobacco, gambling, you know, uh, things like that. I, I have a thought to yeah. share right now. The reason the stock market goes down and people are negatively affected is because they sell low. Panic. Like, think yeah. about that. Extrapolate that out. You're like, hang on a minute. Wait, the reason this stock market's going down is because everyone's freaking out and selling yes. their shit. Whereas if everyone's just like, eh, it'll go up, it's always gone up. Like, I'm just going to trust that we'll figure it out. It wouldn't go down in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's so ironic. Yep. No, it's exactly what happens. It's, 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 Shreya mentioned this last week. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Everyone's worried that it's going to go down, so they sell because they're worried. Yeah. And that begets more selling. Um. Go ahead, Chris. 
But like, why? Like, why do they sell? Do they honestly think it's going to go to zero? Not uh, totally. Listen, so when that, I was in that situation, so there I am looking at it, and it's going down, and there is this like panic of like, oh, you know, if I don't, if I don't get out now, I'm going to lose everything. I mean, it's so, um, it's. I was reading about it though. It is contrary to what people think. You know, we we're kind of fear based a lot of times. Absolutely. Uh, Warren Buffett has a great quote. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase it here. Um, when everyone is afraid, be greedy. Yes. And when everyone's being greedy, be afraid. <laughs> that you was know? Jimmy Buffett that said that. Oh, not Warren Buffett? <laughs> I think it was after one of his concerts in Mississippi. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so, you know. So we should be afraid right now, then. I, I definitely yeah. am afraid. I, I always say keep powder dry. You should keep investing because you don't know how this political climate can keep the market going up potentially. However, if there is a person who has powder dry, if you got some extra money, do not put that in right now. You want to wait till we have a big pullback. That's the time for that. Mm. Uh, let's move on to Facebook. Um, the FTC is getting ready to fine Facebook up to $5 billion. All right. Facebook this past year made $22 billion. The year before, $17 billion. The year before, I think, $13 billion. The year before, $8 billion. They've been on a rampage of making billions and billions of dollars. That's revenue, not profit, right? That is uh, profit. They made that much in profit? That is profit, Chris Broadhead. Dude, that $5 billion is a rounding error for them then. Rounding error? Yeah, the $5 Mark billion. Mark Zuckerberg wipes his ass with $5 billion. That's dude. what I'm saying. Exactly. It don't, that is not enough at all. Um, by the way, it's, it was such a low number. The market investors, when they saw that it might be, it's probably going to be $5 billion. This is all for privacy violations, by the way. 2011, the FTC told Facebook, you, can, you have to put in all these privacy regulations and you can't F it up. And of course, Facebook F it up. So they didn't, they didn't, take, they didn't take the FTC seriously. But here's the thing. Does uh, anyone take the FTC seriously? No one really does, actually. You're right. No one does. <laughs> Um, so, uh, the, he's messing with, I work for the FTC. He's what? messing with me. <laughs> You're an FTC employee? Hey man, you need to, you need to ban Facebook, man. That's what you need to do. Well, I got, I got bigger fish to fry right now with this Uber stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think Trump should do a Facebook ban next. Yeah, he should. I'm, I'm okay with that. Facebook wall. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, try and climb that one, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of visualizing it. Could be like made of all these gray bricks or something, right? Yeah, yeah other people's statuses. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with really like um, obnoxious political posts. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah, I don't even want to climb that wall. <laughs> <laughs> you put up a new profile page, and all your face cracks and everything goes to dust. <laughs> All right, can you get on that? Yeah, yeah, build us a Facebook wall. I'll make it burning too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, FTC. So, yeah, thank you for joining us, Mr. FTC. Um, <laughs> yeah, watch what you say. <laughs> so, 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 guess what? So, the FTC announces it's probably going to be $5 billion. You'd normally think Facebook stock would go down when hearing that kind of news, right? Investors are like, damn, Facebook's right. going to be $5 billion. Let's sell some stock. 
It went up 7%. What the? The market was so happy that it was only $5 billion. What? Oh. Because it's such a small amount for Facebook. Yeah. You know? In fact, it went up 7%. In Facebook, in dollar terms, that was $30 billion in market value. (laughs) It was six times the fine. Wow. So can you please find them more, Lancey? Well, I think... Do you think that some of it, though, I mean, the stock market is so complex that, like, do you think some of it is people anticipating that and then re, like, they're, they're thinking, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy Facebook because I think that everybody's going to freak out and, and then I can buy a, or I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's almost I, like a double, double I, I thought. Think, I think it's, yeah, the, the thought was this, I think. People saw Facebook making boatloads of money. Right. And they're like, man, I'd love to buy more Facebook. Like, I can't believe they're making this much money. And they're like, but damn, I know they keep effing up with all these privacy issues and they keep taking advantage of consumers. So I'm just going to hold off right. until I see what the government, how the government, you know, slaps them down. So they didn't sell or anything. Yeah, they just didn't buy additional. Right, right. Right. They're like, they're just making so much money. And then when the government announces it's $5 billion fine potentially, they're like, that's it? Bye, 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 you know? That's, I think, what kind of happened. By the way, I wanted to ask you when you said, um, you know, the stock market, the actual, what on Wall Street, uh, those guys on the the phones. Yeah. Even back in the 80s, they're like on uh, phones and cell phones, even like the big brick phones. And (laughs) and they're looking at TVs. I still have one of those. So they are actually, they are brokers. Correct. Okay. Correct. And they're they're speaking for... Us. You okay. nailed it. All right. Uh, and really not us as much as uh, a lot of our stuff is electronic. Right. There, there's really not that many people down there anymore. What, they're, what the guys down there now are still brokers, but they're kind of like intermediaries. Like they're, okay. they, they are brokers. Um, have you been down there? Yes, I have. Yeah. Did you, did, were you on a phone? <laughs> I was on a phone while really? I was down there. Really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's so cool. I was, find it. Was it a brick cell phone? No, it wasn't a it was a regular uh, corded phone. Well, this was like in the 2000s though, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Early 2000s. Uh, <laughs> I I was actually at the uh, Chicago Board of Trade when 9/11 was happening. Ooh. Yeah, so we were wa- so in 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 the Board of Trade. Dodge that bullet. Yeah, I did dodge that bullet. Or and that plane. Just just, just a, uh, <laughs> yeah, Oh, too soon. Too soon. Uh, a month before I was I was in the I was in the World Trade Center. Yeah, I was I was in New York. I was doing an internship at uh, back then. It was called Solomon Smith Barney Citibank, and so I, yeah, thank God I, I was I was not there, uh, but I was at the Board of Trade, and so you know, there's big jumbo screens in the Board of Trade. Yeah, where you see the news, CNBC, whatever you're watching the news on there, and so we're all in the pits. Ah, bye bye, sell sell bye bye, and we see a burning building. It's the World Trade Center. We're not understanding what's going on. And obviously, that's all up there. We're all watching while trading, watching, trading. We're like, what is happening? Why is that building? Sell, sell, sell. Sell, Literally, (laughs) sell, sell, sell. And then we're watching the screen. And all you see in that moment is another airplane come across and hit the other building. We all just shit our pants in that moment. Sell, sell, sell. And after about 30 seconds of sell, 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 we all looked at each other. We're like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, we need to go right now. Like. Those are the World Trade Centers. A lot of the trading happening is people from the World Trade Center calling us. We need to get out of here. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, we were at the Board of Trade. We're trading a lot of stuff for New York. So we just. Are people in the burning building still selling? Well, at some level, I mean, 
there there was a there was a I mean, it's hard to talk about and think about, but Jesus. yeah, I imagine there's a period of time where they're not clear on what's happening, and so they're just hitting a button. I, actually, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know the answer. Oh to that my question. god! I, I feel like I mean, if I was in that situation, plane hits below me, and it's like, well, <laughs> I would probably sell it all. I guess, and, and then, then and then, then jump piece. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, yeah. I mean, you know. Anyway, most importantly. May those people send rest. a note to my wife and be like, all right, reinvest when you think it's bottomed out. <laughs> <laughs> and I love you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. And, and tell the kids I say goodbye. That's, that's, I got, may all those people rest in peace, most importantly. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, what a crazy thought, right? I never thought about that. So, anyway, so I, we all just book out of there. I just start running. And I literally, I'm not kidding. I was 19 or 20 years old. I literally just ran to my mom. That's what I did. Yeah. I was a quaking mess at that point, kind of like how I am today usually, and I just, I just ran to my mom. I'm like, "Mom, I'm scared," you know. They were in the restaurant in Cedars in Hyde Park, so I just took the bus down there, and I was like, "Because you knew heaven was at the feet of your mom." Hey, very good, yeah. Callback of the nice. year, baby. Uh, for those before we started this podcast, listeners, uh, we were talking about how uh, Val has a Muslim son-in-law. Yeah. And how he loves her and adores her to death. And I said, that's because Muslims believe that heaven is at the feet of their mother. Yeah. Beautiful. And Nancy brought that back very well. So uh, Facebook. So um, their stock popped 7%, added $30 billion. Now, what's the big thing, right? A guy named Chris Hughes, who was Mark Zuckerberg's roommate at Harvard. Uh, he was not like Eduardo Severin, didn't get screwed. He did come along for the ride, made billions of dollars, left Facebook a decade ago, stayed friends with Mark Zuckerberg, wrote an op-ed in the New York Times yesterday saying, yo, Zuck's got way too much power. He's hurting our democracy. He's hurting human beings. And government, you need to break up his social media empire. That's what he came out and said. And I'm sure Zuck is like, yo, Chris, what the hell are you doing? Why are you ragging on me like that? That'd be hilarious if that was his Facebook status. Chris's? He's like, or Facebook Zuck. is corrupt. <laughs> he posted that on... Right. He, he published the op-ed on Facebook. Yes. <laughs> Zuck would just be like, delete, delete, yeah. delete. You know he's personally deleting certain things. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, his point is Facebook is way too big. Facebook bought Instagram. Facebook bought WhatsApp. Facebook has Facebook. Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, those three combined have more users than all other social media platforms put together, all right? If you look at Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, right? This is how powerful Facebook is and how they control our minds. And they, they basically, Zuck himself decides the algorithms. Zuck himself decides privacy and what other companies can use and how he can sell that. He's able to sell all of our shit and he makes billions of dollars off of it. So uh, Facebook, IG, and WhatsApp are bigger than all of these combined. Ready? LinkedIn. YouTube, Snapchat, Pinterest, Twitter, Reddit, including the Chinese ones, WeChat, and TikTok. Those eight all put together, still smaller than Facebook's properties. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Build the Facebook wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zuck decides what goes in our news feeds. He himself is making those calls. Uh, basically controlling minds, controlling decisions, all that shit is inception. It goes into our minds. 
So he knows how much I uh, enjoy a good bathing suit shot in my news <laughs> Not only does he know it, he's the one that made you like those bathing suit shots ah, to begin with. Darn you, Zuck. In fact, we all know about your obsession with <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, put it... some clothes on, would you? <laughs> all right. Next time I'll put on clothes. Strictly uh, a comfort thing. Now here's the discussed. thing. Here's the thing. If a new app does come out, investors, like, it's, it's screwed. It can't even win now. A lot, of these, a lot of people do not invest in Snapchat or Pinterest or whatever, or LinkedIn, because they know that Zuck is either going to copy it, like the way he copied stories from Snapchat, right. or he's just going to buy them. So it's like investors are like, yo, nothing can compete against Facebook. It is literally is a monopoly. So this guy's calling for a breakup of uh, Facebook the way they broke up Snapchat, uh, excuse me, the way they broke up Snapchat, the way they broke up uh, Standard Oil, I think that was Rockefeller, and the way they broke up AT&T into the, all the little bells. Hmm. So what do, what do we think about that then? Hell yeah, I say break them up. Yeah. Absolute power absolutely corrupts. Yeah, our minds are getting corrupted, Val. Yeah. Our kids' minds, our I kids' kids' that. minds. Mm-hmm. This man, Mark Zuckerberg, has way too much power for one human being. What would that even look like, though? No like, one man should have all that Facebooks power. Or... Uh, right. Good question. Well, I mean, I, the first of all, the obvious one is you break up Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp right off the bat. Right, so there's there you now it's much, much less powerful over our minds. I feel like eventually Instagram would be worth more than Facebook. It probably is already. Yeah, I would think so. Probably is. Bring back MySpace. They'll break up <laughs> Facebook and they'll make it my face. Yes. There you go. Yes. Because I want face a, space. I want Death Cab for Cutie playing when you go to my page, and you can't do that on <laughs> Facebook. You can't do that. You're right. <laughs> I think we had we should have something like my ass. What about that? My ass. Yeah. Yeah. And then That's all the Instagram. negative stuff. That's oh, perfect right. for Chris. Chris yeah. is gonna love that. Bring it on. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and and this Chris Hughes guy who called out his boy, he's also calling for a new agency in the government to police. All these social media guys, which I think is absolutely necessary. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. I don't know. Do you, I mean, so do they police restaurants? I absolutely. Mean, they do. My but dad's really... restaurant got closed down before for, for this reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was a, the way my dad was cooking falafel was, was not the best way. And so people were getting slightly sick. They called the health department. They came in. This is like the 90s. And uh, they came in and we had, to, we had to figure out with a food scientist what, because falafel was so new back then, mm. you know, we had to figure out, like, what are we doing that's not right? So we changed up the recipe a little bit, cooked it a little bit differently, he- heated up the oil a little more, and problem solved. But it would have never gotten, we never, the agency was required, the health department was required to help us out with that. Yeah. You know? Well, you know what? It would create a lot more jobs, too, wouldn't it? In what way? In the, the Facebook, well, so you In got the whole team, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It well, would. maybe we make it non-government. It's a, no, I don't know. No, it would, it would create more jobs, and yeah. Facebook would make less money. I'm okay with that. Right. Does Zuckerberg need $20 billion a year? How, how do we know that Zuckerberg is making all those decisions? I mean, I'm kind of trying to figure out, like, he's probably got a corner office, or does he even have an office? And, like, isn't there some board? Or is the, there not a board. some committee? That, there's a board, yeah. yeah. And he reports to them, technically. Right. However, if a vote comes up, that says, um, hey, we should hire 10,000 people to do privacy regulation so that we're not just giving people's information to Cambridge Analytica or anyone else. He could be like, all right, let's vote on it. Everyone vote. The, the whole board will vote. Yeah, let's vote for the security viola- the privacy Ooh. regulations. And then Zuck votes. He owns 60% of the vote. He's like, yeah, I vote no. I'm against that. And so then <laughs> everyone's like, you win. So they, right. after a while, I'm sure they realize like, 
our vote doesn't matter. Let's well, just... that, that's why our government has three branches of decision-making to ensure that nothing like that ever happens. True. Which is what Trump's trying to do right now, which is yep. why we're essentially in a constitutional crisis. We are. Right. Not to mention all sorts of other crises. Yeah. I mean, that whole mullet, not to do a callback. Did well, you I'm say doing mullet? A... Muller. <laughs> oh, mullet. Yeah. The mullet I'm report. The mullet. I was like, let's hear about that mullet. <laughs> That needs to be a show as well. The, the mullet, mullet report. It's <laughs> <laughs> about NASCAR. Uh, tune in next week for uh, business news and other shit becoming the mullet report. Yeah, bring back that mullet. But really, it should be about the electoral college anyway. I mean, that's the big thing, isn't it? Isn't yeah, that's that got to go. That has got to go. Way, to me, that's way more important than did Russia mess about with the, the voting. You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. One day... Val, one day. You know what's awful about when people agree? There's like nowhere else to go, is there? When people are what? When when people agree with each other, it's like, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. And end of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Now we have to be happy. <laughs> yeah. F that. Right. <laughs> Speaking of happy. Yes. How you doing, Val G? I am so I am the happiest that I've ever been. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You, you know, you, you said something before we began, which what you did said I say? you said getting old is great it is wtf are you talking about Val? well think about it a i'm I, above I don't ground think, so all right don't think about it i'll just tell you a i'm above ground yeah okay which is really good right okay i agree lots of experience like i know what doesn't work and i know what does work ah. Sometimes I like to go down the road of what doesn't work, quite honestly. And I can do that at my age, because who gives a crap? <laughs> Wait, give me an example. What do you mean? You uh, like to go down the road of things that don't work. The road less traveled, as Robert Frost likes to call yes, it. Yes, yes. Well, um, so like this tattoo that I got. Yes. You know, it doesn't really work at my age to have this big-ass dragon tattoo on, your on my forearm. forearm. Right. You go into corporations. Go into corporations. Right. Now, do I, you know, have to wear long sleeve stuff all the time or whatever? So it kind of doesn't work, but I wanted to do it. Ah. And I kind of sat there and I a little bit enjoyed the pain of it. Have you ever had a tattoo? No, it's I don't. It's kind of painful. It, as, as a Muslim, we're, we're told it's prohibited. Oh, right. Okay. It's, it's like a defacing... Uh, what I was taught was, I wonder if, yeah, you were taught this, but it's like, it's almost like you're uh, marking, permanently marking what God has created and given you. And now I feel terrible. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to bring some lightness and make you a little happier. Man. But that's probably why Ehab has never said like, woo, that's a good tattoo, mama. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. So uh, did you hear that yeah, yeah, before? Um, Along those lines, maybe. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a tattoo, Lancey? No. No? Chris? No. Oh my God. Why do you why do you men not have tattoos? Um or is there a reason? They call me the pure one in the streets. It's because he sells pure cocaine. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) His product Uh, is pure. I don't know. I guess Maybe you've never thought about it. I've thought about getting one before, but uh, I just haven't gotten close enough to actually, you know, get get there and pay for it and pull the trigger and just do the thing, you know, mm. so. Well, if that's you, the good thing about getting old because when you reach 70, you'll probably walk past a tattoo shop and think, I'm going in there. Right. Right. And Hell I'm going to yeah. think about this moment. I'm yes. Like, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing Chris, it. have you thought about why you don't have a tattoo? 
Um, I think just the way I grew up and who I grew up with, like everyone's like, yeah, I'm getting a tattoo. Like I'm so <laughs> rebellious. And I was like, you realize 95% of you are getting a tattoo to be rebellious. That's not rebellious anymore. <laughs> right. And you look like an idiot. Yeah, just, <laughs> yes. They just get these huge sleeves and things that they liked when they were 19 and now they're 35. And it's like, you don't like that anymore. Right, right. I kind of, you know what? I love where this is going because where it's going is old people have now tattoos. Yeah. But you guys, millennials, right? Yep. You don't. You're clean. Interesting. Yeah. You're kind of godlike in a way. But I thought millenn—I thought millennials actually are big on tattoos. Maybe not anymore. Not not when they learn that some 70-year-old English woman's <laughs> got a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, I'm not going there. All right, Val, any yes. other reasons why getting... Old is great. Sex is great. Shut up. I'm serious. Like, so my husband and I have been married for 50 years, got two kids, grandkids, blah, blah, blah. Can yes, thank you. Oh, 50 years? 50 freaking years, yes. Thank you. Anyway, um, so, you know, when, you, when you're first married, there's a lot of lust, blah, blah. You have kids, it's like, you know, all this. But when you're old, it doesn't matter what you do. You can hang off the chandelier we have fun, we laugh. Sometimes we look at each other and like, geez, you're old. And I'm like, yeah, so are you, you know, and this fat hanging and you just don't have to care. Ah, I mean, seriously. It is true. And if things happen in the middle where it's like not quite working out, you know, no problem. We'll come back tomorrow. I love that. Like you have this feel. So let's go to your book. So one of your books you wrote was You Married a What? And yes. now I have a Muslim in my house. I don't talk about this in that book, but never mind. I understand. Right. Um, uh, but... Like, a big part of this book you said is, like, you, you, you didn't know how to respond in a way when your daughter married a Muslim. So, let's just give the story real quick. So, uh, you're in Egypt. So, first of all, what, what, tell us what you do. Okay, so, um, I'm an instructional designer slash facilitator slash keynote speaker. Okay. Slash, flash, whatever. Anyway, yeah. Um, so, you go into corporations. Go into corporations. Uh, lots of huge corporations. We like the big ones the best because they don't have a quabble about spending money anyway so do you so, have any examples that you can share with us uh, yeah motorola ge um vodafone was the one in egypt so okay. my hubby and i go just the two of us sure we met at the airport by this guy he's our bodyguard driver we drive us around for a couple of weeks we get the contract so now we have to and send this, this bodyguard driver what's his name ehab so this is ehab this is ehab and um smart looking guy attractive you know everything like that but i you know he's kind of got weird things going on he's got a couple couple of wives and a third one in the uh sidelines so i'm like god you know. stop the presses wait a minute all righty he he has two wives in that moment yes because um th th they could have four wives i i'm muslim i know right i'm okay. working on it like hell well, there you go <laughs> wife is not on board just so you know that right right well so wait, his, on board, yeah. yeah i'm working on it uh so uh so wait so you're saying he was already married. He was married. Women. He had two women. Two and he women. had a third wife on, on, on yes. deck. On deck. <laughs> on deck. <laughs> he was onboarding a third wife. Well, wow. Okay. So you thought that was weird about him. It was Continue. weird. Yes, but he's a nice guy. So now we need to send some three facilitators to do this contract. So Sarah, who is um, doing improv in LA at the time. This and is it's your daughter, Sarah. Our daughter. Is, it's not working out. So she had been praying for an adventure, something different. So when we say to her, do you want to go to Cairo? She's like, yeah. So we send her to Cairo. and With you guys? 
No, we're we're in Chicago. Oh, you didn't go? No, we did not oh. go because we're still getting business and doing work okay. here. So she goes on her own to Cairo. She goes on with two other people. Got it. And um, so she's there in Cairo, and and we're kind of hearing from her, and you know, anyway, over the months it becomes clear that she is with Ehab and that he has divorces two wives and then that he marries Sarah. So it's all kind of like, you know, wow. on Skype basically because we didn't have WhatsApp then. And so you 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 watched them get married over Skype in a way. No, I didn't watch them get married over Skype. She told us that that she always told us that they would she would elope. So she kind of did. It kind of happened. To Cairo. <laughs> now, first yes. of all, the, here's what's gangster number 1 about Sarah, right? Yes. We got to we got to call Sarah out in a moment for the, how gangster she is, right? You know how like mistresses are always dying to get their uh, boyfriends to divorce the wife so that the mistress can get the marriage? Sarah was able to get this guy to divorce two wives <laughs> to get her and drop the one on deck. Yes. Now that's a well-trained improviser right there. Yes. <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> yeah, she got him to say yes, and. Wow. So first of all, you got to give your daughter props. Well, kind of. And, the I mean, dude had three women, and he's yes. like, yo, I'll take this one over these three. Well, the reason that he had three, he was not in love with them. His mama had wanted him to get married, you know, to have kids. And, again and again. And kind of, yeah, so, so it kind of was happening like that. And so he had wanted to not be married. Did he, now did, he have, did he have kids? Yeah, he's got three girls over there. Okay. So they kind of have a stepmom now, right, in America? Yes. Yeah. So he goes I bet over, they're like, yeah, let's do this. Yo, we can be American now. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think maybe part of the plan is that they come over here. I don't know for good maybe. or whatnot. So at the very least, they can you know possibly get educated here if yeah. they want. Yeah, that'd be great. It's so valuable to be have an American education. Right. Wow. Okay. So then you wrote a book about it. You wrote, you married a what? And now I have a Muslim mouse. What a story. Yes. In, in addition, oh yeah, let's let's show you all, <laughs> let's show you all this book. Check this out. All right. Now, in addition, you wrote a book called Business Improv. Yes. Which is uh, experience. So exercises to train employees and corporations to handle every situation with success. I like that. Yeah. I like that. And then you wrote other books, one called The Winner's Attitude. Yeah. And other ones are about customer service, kind of six steps to having uh, kick-ass customer service. Yeah. It's called Super Service in its Super second service. edition. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, congratulations, first of all. Thank you very on much. writing six books and being prolific in this in this world right uh do you have one of the which one is your favorite book that you've written my favorite one is you married a what because it was it was kind of like a cheap therapy session for me so i you know i'm just like writing it all down and and um and and what i loved about it was i was i had a lot of conversations with ehab about being a muslim and what you know what that's about so i got to know him more sure and uh, yeah, and and then Sarah and I got closer. And I think it was very brave of her and him mm -hmm. to allow me to write this book. Ah, because even listening to what I just said to you right then, you know, two wives, it all sounds so nuts, you know, and like, oh my, not God. in Utah. I right, <laughs> For our yeah. Utah listeners are like only two. Yeah, I guess so. But it kind of makes me want to build a wall right myself, you know, in my family. like Because you know, I'm sure some people are listening thinking, wow, you know, this is our problem. We're letting people into the country that shouldn't be in. Right. You know, like that I kind see. of thing. Right, and right, right. Muslims and, you know. But I mean, what we did, why? Because we're programmed to think two wives and the divorce and coming here. We're programmed to think judgmentally that that's bad. Right, but it's okay to have, you know, 
have divorced two, three, four times. I'm divorced. Right. Well, what the heck? There you go. No, I'm... Makes it all better, right? It is. It's all judgmental. It's all judgmental. And critical. For all we know, the women in Egypt um, are, are much happier now that they divorced Ehab. Maybe that wasn't working out ideally for them either. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and he's still very close with them. You know, they talk all the time. There he's you close go. with his kids. Sounds like a good loves man. Loves his kids. He's a very good man. Gotta have him on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, you three, know, I three thought wives that. and yeah, yeah. And now Sarah, like this guy, I gotta, you know. Oh yeah. Learn some lessons from this guy. Just kidding, honey. If you're listening, I'm just kidding. I swear to God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, you go into these corporations and you train on service. You train on winner's attitude. You train on improv. Sometimes my question to you is my first question. And by the way, hey guys, if you have Lancy, you're looking all. You got a look on your face. Everything okay? Yeah, everything's great. All right. <laughs> Everything is great. Do you, have any, do you have any thoughts about all this? Uh, I, w- I was wondering, I have a question for yeah. you. What is your like daily writing process like? You know, right now, it isn't. It, it's almost like I gave birth to this book and um, I've, I've stopped writing. I feel like I'm, I'm more out there talking mm. than I'm writing. Oh, okay. So, but what it used to be doing that was I would wake up in the middle of the night and with a, with the first sentence I'd right. have to get up and write, you know. Mm. So my sleeping was awful, uh, you know. Right. So, um, but your discipline was awesome. I'm very disciplined in some the things. The sentence comes up and you're like, I'm I'm sleep is less important than the sentence. That's pretty disciplined. Yeah. Well, that's. Uh, you were talking, Chris, about writing a movie like that. You you know you you love the process. It, that's how it is for me when I'm writing. Is like there's no question. I've got this great sentence. If I don't get up, I know I'm not going to remember it in the morning. So mm. it's just like boom. Do you ever wake up the next day and you're like, that was that's rubbish? Well, writing is rewriting. Right. Right. I mean, it's you know, it's all about editing, mm. and so. Right. Yeah. Mm. Right. 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 all right so you see a ton of corporate folks yes over the last number of decades that you've been doing this you go into corporations photophone ge so on so forth what pattern so a big a big thing that i love about this podcast i I went to the corporate world val and i um, worked hard and Mm -hmm. i invested and i studied the right plan i read rich dad poor dad Mm. i i read a lot of books and i created this plan and it worked and it allowed me after 10 years to leave J.P. Morgan and, awesome. and do some of the projects I really want to do. For example, this podcast. Mm-hmm. But also my family's business, the restaurant business, as well as some other um, media stuff I'm doing here at Stage 18 where we're recording out of. But most people uh, you know, don't have that experience. They, they, they end up, when I, I felt like I was unhappy, mm-hmm. and I kind of built a prison cell around me. And mm-hmm. I, had, I worked really hard to break that prison cell down. Mm-hmm. What do you see in many people in the corporate world that maybe, you know, you see them and you're like, man, this person isn't seeing this thing that if he, he or she just saw it, they could really be happier and do what they really want to do. Mm. Is there some sort of prison cell that you see many corporate people build around themselves? Well, you know what? Yes. The answer is yes. And very improv there, guys. Boom. Um, so, yes. <laughs> and um, really the prison cell is that um, they, they forget that they have a choice. I mean, whatever their job is, janitor to CEO, is they forget that they have a choice of how they feel in every moment, which is why I kind of coined that phrase, I'm the happiest I've ever been, because what I realize is in any moment, you know, I'm either happy or sad. And, and I think the prison for most people is 
they come in to work. You know, I'm not a morning person. I always think, well, so when does your work start? Like 11 o'clock, you mm. know? They come into work and then they, they don't feel responsible for the choices that they make. Mm. So they blame their boss, they blame the coworkers, they blame customers. They go into victim mode. Total victim mode. And then they go home at night and, you know, I'm complaining to their wife complain the story. So that's really that prison. The, the biggest prison because, and, and this is what I teach them, whatever my class is, assertiveness training. Is this how you were, Amin? Uh, good question. I did used to fret a lot about my numbers and about them letting me go. Because on Wall Street, it was like it was like a baseball team. Like, if you don't perform and make 20 million bucks for the bank, you're out. Yeah. And so I always had that fire under my And you my get ass. to pay them back for any money they lent you to, right? Pay, pay them back for any money? <laughs> yeah. Like JP Morgan? Or any money they paid you. Oh, yeah, right. They can claw yeah. back whatever they want. Yeah. That's right. That's what, that's what my dad said. That's right. It's exactly right. If, yeah. if you do something wrong, the, the bank can, these days, they can take money back. Hmm. But so, so yeah, I always fretted about that. And so, yeah, for my first six, seven, eight years, I became beholden to the paycheck. And I, I forgot that I had a choice. Yeah. You know, in many ways. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I was given advice by a wonderful man named David Flick, who was, who was my mentor there. And I, I love Dave. If you're listening, you're awesome. He's like, yo, when they, if, if you get a bonus and they pay you a bonus, just bank that. Put that in the market. And just live off your base salary. Which was at that time, like when I first started, like 60 grand, 70 grand. It built up to 80, 90 grand. Um, and bonus was based on how well I performed. So I did that. And I kept, I kept doing that and, and investing, and it worked out well. But along the way, I was definitely fretting, and I had, I had maybe gold, you know, I had handcuffs on. I felt like I was in a prison, I couldn't get out. Yeah. Uh, until I began to like be around people who were like, yo, you have a choice. And then I began to see people who were making a different choice, and I'm like, Holy shit, maybe I can make that choice. And that's what kind of helped me get out of the prison. Hmm. So you're saying that's what you do, Val, is you go into corporations and you invite people to be more assertive in that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, I teach the, the class that I really enjoy teaching the most is emotional intelligence. And there's this um, ABC theory of that, you know. So, A, the activating event is the first thing that happens in the morning that activates road rage mm. and then there's a belief about that you know these people are assholes and then the consequences you you whatever you're doing you become that so angry person a is activating a, event a, a b belief about that belief about it c so abc is consequences yes what is it was an example of consequences with the road rage uh, road rage well so you know now i'm going to cut people off in traffic right, now i'm going right. to park my car i'm going to come into work and exactly. i'm really pissed off you know ABC, like that d the D then, the emotional intelligence part, is to dispute the belief. Oh. You know, maybe this person's uh, got, you know, maybe their parent just died or they're on their way to an emergency. You know, something like that. Right. Maybe mm. they're in the middle of a divorce and they're just really So kind of like upset. giving them an excuse. Yes, yes. Mm. You dispute that. You're like, yeah. And then the E, the effect then is completely different. You know, like now I'm, ah. I'm not going to cut people off. I'm going to come into work and... Beautiful. That's and fantastic. That's, that's emotional intelligence that em, you teach. Emotional intelligence in a nutshell. A, B, C, D, E. I like it. Yeah. And you're saying uh, that can get a person out of victim mode. Yes. And start to shift their thinking. Yeah. And in a way, they might be able to have other thoughts around what they might want to do. Like, for example, be a famous comedian at comedy. Right. Or a CFO at Enron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, now, something... Something I believe, and I think you believe this too, 
is you can never get rich working for someone. I believe that totally. You do? I do. Is that, has that been true for you in some ways? Yes. It has? Yeah. What is the secret? Well, like, like you own your own business, right? Yes. And yeah. how many years have you owned your own business? Since 85. 1985? Yeah. Wow, that's 34 years. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's a big deal. So you're an entrepreneur, basically. Right, yes. And now why have you come to believe, especially because you see the corporations, you mm-hmm. go in there, mm-hmm. and then you have your own business. Mm-hmm. Why have you come to believe that you can never get rich for working for someone? Actually, you know, as you're just, as you're saying that, I'm like, you know what, is that really true? Because I... I work with a company right now, they're a huge brokerage company. And there's a lot of the brokers are entrepreneurs, so they're total commission-based. And they're making millions. I mean, some of those guys in my class are making $20 million in a year. Hold on, I was a a broker. Okay. Pretty much I was a broker myself at J.P. Morgan. Right. And although um, brokers can make a lot of money, like you said, millions, Uh, I wish I made millions. I did not. Um, although a broker can get millions, in many ways, they didn't make that million on their own. True. Okay? They needed um, hundreds of thousands of dollars of IT in front of them. Mm. They needed a mentor to teach them, a bigger broker, an older mm-hmm. broker, to coach them and give them their accounts. Mm-hmm. They They needed so much infrastructure to make those millions. And by the way, when they make the millions... Like for me, I knew one little small tiny corner of the financial market. It was called derivatives. Mm. I didn't know much about anything else in the bank. And it was a huge financial bank. Only until after I started like leaving the bank and learning about more things did I start to open my mind and learn about a lot more things. But in the bank, when I'm working there, you only know a small thing. It's not like you're running your own business. You didn't incorporate it. You didn't take a ton of risk. Mm-hmm. You took way more risk than these brokers. Right. I suppose, so then maybe we don't measure it totally by money, right? but enjoyment. So my hubby and I, we've worked together all these years, and we have a lot of fun. Lot I love of that you say hubby. I don't hear that every day anymore. Yeah. Hubby. It makes me feel so... Uh, hubby-ish. Hubby-ish. <laughs> I feel like I'm my wife's hubby. It kind of is. Husband is a bit, I don't know. It's bland. It is. Yeah. It's, it's isn't isn't husbandry related yes. to horses? I think it is. So it's like husbands are horses in a way. Right. Whereas a hubby. Well, Which, you know, if you ask my wife, and she's probably right, I'm kind of a horse. You are? Yeah. When it comes to the Yay. house. Lucky woman. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I'm hung like a horse. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty well implied. <laughs> Lancey, do, does your, do you have a girlfriend? Uh, yes. Or married? Both. Uh, no. <laughs> you sure your name's not Eheb? <laughs> two wives. <laughs> yeah, I have a girlfriend. She, so one day you might be her hubby, I guess. Maybe so, yeah. Maybe so, if she's lucky. Right. Uh, right now I'm currently married to the game. Uh, ah, so that's, boom. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> don't need to play it. Yeah, yeah right. Charge it. it to the game. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you guys. But So let's go back. So you never get rich working for someone. Why? Why do you believe that? Um, I guess I kind of described it a little bit. Yeah. But those guys that are getting financially rich. Yes. There's something they're still missing. Oh, huge amount. So, so I'm going into these, you know, I, I teach these sessions. There is so much stress involved. Mm. And, and, and you can see them. Can't, you know, they, they can't even not look at their cell phone. It's like, you know, they're, they're on edge the mm. whole time. Mm. And... Um, and 
and also there's a kind of like a shouting at the at the staff you know like what the hell you got this it's all very stressful mm. and anxiety ridden and i just don't want to live my life like that wow yeah so you're saying being your own boss in a way it gives you a lot more control a lot more uh ability to choose what you want to do who you want to work for so on and so forth oh yeah and 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 we kind of own it all right. so we own the success we own the failure it's fantastic right. all right now give us a little bit about um investing so yes. you've owned your own business yeah you've been able to uh, uh, uh make that last and make it sustainable do you yourself invest in anything at all with the um winnings you get from your hard work so um about 20 years ago i almost got the financial planner and then i kind of didn't which i think was a big mistake mm. um i d i do a merit trade yeah so i you know i do a little bit of dabbling, but I think, as I was saying before, I think I'm going to go into the index, yeah, S and P 500, so that I don't get caught up in watching my individual stocks go up or down. Right, right. I don't right. know if that answers your question. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now you had mentioned when I talked to you once before that you had read Rich Dad Poor Dad before. Yes. And you said you're reading it again. I am. Wow, that's great. And so, do you read financial investing books sometimes? I do. You know, I read that Tony Robbins, The Money Book. It's a really big... And um, it kind of... I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's my brain. So I'm a writer and I can be philo ph philosophical, etc. if I can say that word. Um, but figures and that, it, they, they freak me out. So I've got to read a financial statement sentence like 10 times before I get it. Wow. Which really? is why I didn't sleep last night. <laughs> Knowing I was coming here. I'm like, oh, I've got to be a bit savvy. <laughs> I'm just not. Hey, Nancy, have you read any of these books? Uh, I listen to audiobooks, but I did listen to that uh, Anthony Robbins, but it's been a while. It's been, I guess right when it came out, I guess a year or so ago, two yeah. years. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Was it good, guys? I haven't read that. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. He has some of the same messages that uh, you have, oh, yeah. uh, which is index funds. He, he pushes that a lot. Uh, and then also... Um, just stay the course and don't get scared and then you know sell uh yep you know don't sell low yep obviously those are yeah. the most important things yeah because it will eventually i mean he he makes that point at, at some point in the book that it will eventually come back up right right it's a pretty good inspiring book uh you know he's a inspirational or motivational speaker or whatever so so he's good at at the wording of it and everything, but he actually has people come in and like uh, write different parts of that. Book. Oh, okay, got it, got it. His his financial buddies. That's smart. Did you feel that? Did you feel after reading it? Because I did not feel after reading it that I was really any more savvy, to be honest with you, than when I started. So I felt a bit of an idiot, like. Right, I, I think not. Yeah, not really. Right. Not really. I didn't get anything out of it either. Right. I read a lot the whole of thing story. cover to cover. Right. Oh, I really? Was like, I was pretty pissed off about it, to be honest. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I even made, I created a whole PowerPoint thing as I was doing because I thought, I'm going to teach my kids this, yeah. my grandkids. Oh, snap. You are a nerd. A total nerd. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you built a PowerPoint presentation off of Tony Robbins. Yeah, book? I was looking at it last night. Damn. You could put that on the internet and sell it probably. Maybe, but but it but at the end though, I didn't really. I'm like, what what what's the secret here? What am I yeah. supposed to do? Like, do you consider your books that you've written an investment in some way? 
Oh, you know, my first book that I wrote in 1999 called Super Service is all about waking up. And that's, it's kind of like, those are the words, shut up. (laughs) Wake up, wake up. But that is, it's about, you know, we each of us have to wake up. And I think that's what the problem is right now is like we're sleeping and we're sleeping and Trump is doing this, that and the other. And we're all, you know, we have to wake up to the fact that we live on an amazing planet in an amazing country. Mm. Mm. I mean, people say to me, like, what the hell? You know, you left England. Isn't that great? Yeah, England's great. Europe's great. But I could not have done what I've done anywhere else but America. I love America. Amen. Yeah. America. America, baby. Well, you know, uh, I love that you're saying, uh, we'll get back to the question and just, we'll get back yes. to the question about, do you see your books as an investment? But there's a beautiful poem that I love by Rumi, the famous ascetic mm. mystic poet, Muslim poet from about a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. It's called, uh, the poem goes like this. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Mm. Don't go back to sleep. Right. I love that. You must yeah. ask, Lancey, for what you really want. He said that in the poem. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go back to sleep. He said it ago. real creepy like that. Too. <laughs> I, have the, I have the audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> People are moving back and forth across the door sill where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. It's <laughs> pretty powerful, though. It That's is. He's saying what Val's saying. We're all effing asleep. Wake up, damn it! Wake up. Yeah. So, do you see your books as an investment? Uh, yeah, absolutely. They bring you returns, and they you, oh, to this my day God. you're probably making money off them. Right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, we just did a whole. Uh, I, I don't want to name the hospital, but we did a whole customer service thing at this ah. hospital in Seattle. Yeah. And uh, it was all because when you write a book, people think you're a professional. You know. It's wait, 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 wait. You're yes. not a professional. No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what does professional mean anyway? It's someone that does something over and over. So I guess I am a little bit. CFO at Enron, that's professional. That's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, (laughs) so impressed. I think it's the person that wrote the book on it. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're the person who wrote the book on service. Yes. That's cool. So you write the book and it becomes an investment because people now knock on your door. Yes. Every, Every bit of business that we've ever gotten has been by word of mouth. Yeah. Wow. And probably because the, the credibility comes in because of the books. Yeah. That's beautiful. I like that we're ending with that as one of the best investments a person can make is write a book. Yeah, definitely. How, how, how if a person wanted to write a book yes. and, they're, and they're not a writer. Right. But they have fantastic ideas. Yes. Can they take a class somewhere and slowly over an eight week or 10 week or 15 week period, they like walk you through writing the book or does a person just have to sit down and just figure it out? You know, classes cost money, and you're never really sure if the person that's teaching you is is the expert in it. Mm. So um, I would recommend going to a uh, a writing group. A writing group. Yeah, there's lots of libraries have them. I belong to one in Oak Park, the Oak Park Writers Group. You write your stuff. You've got the critiques. You know, that right? People, and they read it. And they then... read it, and uh, and also yeah. it kind of spurs you on each week to write something. So it's free and. Um, I, I would go that way. I've got an idea for a book. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to give the details, but the title will be something like this. Five Secrets to Get Brown Privilege in America. Ooh. Yeah. 
So I've, I've written out the five secrets and I've got all the ideas. And Ooh. I'm like, man, should I put this into a book form? Yeah. So I might have to hook, you know. Dude, uh, that title would make so many people mad. It'd go viral as shit. Oh, would it really? <laughs> <laughs> well, the point is that there's a lot of brown privilege in America. Like the immigration system favors a lot of brown people because a lot of brown people get really educated in other countries and then they get brain drained over to here. So mm-hmm. in a way, like we have brown people like myself have brown privilege because it's like, you know, often parents are educated and you come here and it's easier for a brown person to get a job. Brown people are mostly harmless. Like no one's crossing the street when I'm walking on the street, same side of the street, you know what I'm saying? Right. So um, there's some brown privilege. But then, but here's the thing. A lot of shit gets in the way of that brown privilege. And as a result, we lose the brown privilege. So I've got the secrets on how to maintain it. When you say a lot of shit, is that like the internal conversation? Uh, that's part of it. Yeah. B- the brown person's internal conversation. Yeah. Yeah. The reality is brown people, black people, most minorities are oppressed in the world. Sure. That's a reality that I think we live in. Um, and so the South Park video game, uh, depending on the difficulty setting you put it to, like easier <laughs> is white and the hardest one is the darker. Shut <laughs> up. That's so good. <laughs> that's awesome. Count on oh, South Park. God, you know what? You remind. So I'm teaching this class yesterday, and it's got this uh, the seven, the six hats of Edward de Bono. Anyway, it's these six thinking hats, and you get the white, green, yellow, blah, blah, blah. and then there's the black thinking hat, which is the critical hat. And as I was saying it, I'm like, I hate this. I hate wow. this that I'm saying the black hat is. You is know, that, is that from Lateral Thinking by Edward de Bono? Yeah, I've read that one. Have you? Yeah, that's Did so you? Good. It that's is really good, but good. they need to come up with a different colored yeah, it's, hat. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, come on, you people! Right. <laughs> Thank God they're not using uh, uh, what do they call the KKK wears over their head? Oh, oh the yeah, hood, hoods yeah. instead of hats. Yes, the white hood. Every time you hear my <laughs> accent, you bring this up. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's my racism. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, the the bottom line will end on this. Yes. The bottom line is brown people and I think black people too have, have oppression that they experience in the world like you're no good you suck you're stupid you smell you're a terrorist i think we internalize that mm. and then our voice internally becomes like you suck you're stupid you're yeah. a terror and so we start telling ourselves that right and i think that voice gets in the way of some of our brown privilege so if someone so if someone came newly to america a brown person and they picked up your book um would that give them ideas and optimistic it, it would, it would. i love that yeah. you have to write it what do i oh totally oh, yeah. yeah and it can be a small <laughs> ebook you don't have to do like a huge you know a small you e-book, don't yeah. have to do a tony robbins money book that i mean you should make it a picture book a picture book yeah yes. i like that <laughs> val your book this one's published by mcgraw hill yeah though like, that's my, gangster my, yeah i'm a gangster <laughs> <laughs> We'll get G stands. For. That's what the G stands for. Yes. All right, uh, Val G. Thank you very much. Uh, High fives. Thank you. My man, Lancey. Yeah, yeah. Boom, Chris. Boom. Oh wait, before we end, Val and Lancey. Yeah. Uh, what can we promote possibly for you to some of our listeners? Comedy Tub. Comedy uh, Tub. This Thursday, That's every right. single Thursday night at Comedy. <laughs> It's perfect. <laughs> Hello. Located at Chicago Joe's to... on Irving Park Road, right at Irving Park and Western. 8 p.m. 8 p.m. every Thursday night, Central S- Standard Time. The, the next one is 16th of May. Yes. Cool. All new comics every week. Free? Come get in the tub. It's free, free show. Boom. Val, anything we can promote for you? Yeah. Um, Obviously, buy her book, You Married a What? 
Right. That, well, that I would awesome. go to Amazon and, and uh, go to Valgi, which I know sounds a little bit like a disease. I've got the Valgi, but no. <laughs> Valgi, and then you'll see all my books. Buy one. In fact, it'll. What did you say, Chris? I had that in college. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Val. Thank you, nice. Thank you, everyone. Peace. Peace. Peace.